Hello, and welcome to the Techpedition Podcast for Sunday, January 14th, 2018, Season 3. How's it going, bro? Going good, man. Going good. Uh, how about yourself, dude? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, finally got my new rig built, so... Um, yeah, man. You turn those things that. around quick, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of a or it's kind of a RGB orgy because like my my um, case has an LED strip where I can change the colors, and then this motherboard that I bought it has like all kinds of LEDs on it, and there's some software. It's a, a it's the Gigabyte Aorus Gaming Five uh, Z three seventy board, mm-hmm. and it's got software where you can change the color of all the lights. Like, so I can like. Right now, what I have is the case is blue, and then I have all of the LEDs on the motherboard yellow. So, why you could change in each light individually? Yeah, you can actually in the software all the lights on the motherboard, the areas you can select specific areas and change those to whatever color you want, which I thought was pretty crazy. That's um, I haven't done anything like that though. They're just all yellow right now, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm exploring the water cooling for the first time. I have a. 240 millimeter um, radiator hooked up to an Arctic freezer, um, all in one water cooler. Cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. good. My, so was my that difficult CPU. to get up and running, or it actually wasn't? It wasn't difficult at all. I mean, it was. It really wasn't any different than installing an air cooler. You just put the back plate on and screw it on there, and no. you just had to mount the radiator in a place to where you know the the. The actual tubes are a certain length, so you have to kind of think about where you want to mount the radiator. But I was able to mount mine at the front of the case. So now, does it come come pre filled with water, or that's something you add? Yeah, to coolant, or I'm, yeah. how does that work? It's pre filled, and um, from what I understand, it's a um non conductive um solution. But the issue comes with these when they run. Like, well, I don't think you ever have to replace the fluid in these. I think it, they're good for about two or three years and then you just probably just need to buy another one because Uh like after a while like the deposits from the radiator start um you get deposits and stuff from the um aluminum or the i'm pretty sure it's aluminum uh the aluminum uh, radiator and um so eventually the liquid will become conductive you know like if you had your own custom you would just normally every year drain it and refill it but with this it's just probably be easier just to buy another one this got my temp is running at about 30 degrees now and i ran cinebench earlier and i think the highest it ever got was 55 degrees like at my cpu at 100 percent was popping out at about 55 56 degrees which is pretty amazing um i haven't tried overclocking anything yet so yeah i was going to ask because it wasn't that your whole purpose for uh, dropping back down to the i5 yeah um it's supposedly you can overclock it to five gigahertz and it runs like a chimp. But um, the reason I have it is I'm, I was just trying to let it burn in for at least 24 hours before I tried to overclock it or anything. So that's kind of probably when we get done with this, I'll start playing around with that. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Results next week. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we jump into the news? Let's jump into the news, man. I guess this is mo- mostly going to be a news like podcast it's still kind of slow so we don't have a major topic yet but yeah um, i mean yeah we'll, we'll just do a news one yeah we did have ces but i don't think anything just awesome and <laughs> uh world changing came out of ces i don't think i think it was mostly the standard stuff televisions and some auto stuff as well but i, I don't think it was anything just fantastic that came out of there yeah yeah 
Alrighty then. So first I feel like we should revisit this because uh I feel like my explanation in particular was pretty horrible <laughs> last week when we were talking about Spectre and Meltdown. So I kind of want to do a like base level um, explanation of like what they are and, you know, why it's such a big deal. Um, is that OK? Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, you're not alone because, I mean, I have to admit, I was, I'm still very confused by it. I think I have the basics, but uh, I would love to hear you break it down just a little bit more. Okay. I mean, it really boils down to, I guess, if you want to get like super, super technical, it boils down to out of order execution. So the easiest way to think about this from the stuff that I've researched is let's say you have a recipe. So the recipe is chop up some potatoes, um, cook them, cook them in. The second step is cook them, boil them, bring them to a boil. And then the third step is mash the potatoes. And then the fourth step is um, cook your chicken, um, you know, for your dinner. And, um, you know, so if you if you look at those four steps, you don't necessarily have to do those in order. You can be cooking the chicken while you're chopping the potatoes and while you're melting the butter or whatever. So you don't you can do them in parallel. You don't have to you don't have to wait until you're done with the potatoes to cook the chicken. You follow me so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so so basically, you can so when you you say, oh, so I can cook the chicken while I'm I'm making a potato. So that's kind of like to break it down. That's kind of what out of order execution is. Um, so your computer does this all the time with um computer programs. So you have a set of instructions, and what the computer does is, or your CPU does is it looks ahead and it sees if there's anything else it can do in parallel, and um. If it can, it'll do it. And, you know, the computer doesn't tell you that it's doing this. Um, It just kind of does it on the fly. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I guess the big um takeaway here is all this happens like it does like the computer doesn't have direct access to your the CPU doesn't do this in your RAM. There's a cache on the CPU where all this stuff is happening. And basically, that's the part that comes into play with Spectre in particular and with um, Meltdown. So with Meltdown, basically all you have to do is you trick, you trick the CPU into ex- executing code in that forbidden memory space. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the, when the computer does that, um, you can, you can get to do all kinds of things. We got We kind of hit it on the hell head last week when we were talking about like this unprotected part of the memory. Um, normally what happens is, it's walled off, but it's not always walled off. And depending on what's happening, so like you know, we're talking about the the CPU looking ahead, right? Yeah. So essentially, what happens is with those sets of solutions that if you know, I said sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Essentially, what happens is with the with the set of instructions where it tries to like look ahead and and make things faster. If it doesn't work out, it's just discarded. But if it does work out, it's executed on the CPU. And um, basically, the big flaw in Meltdown was that if you d- if it does execute, it doesn't have access to the um the walled off parts of memory. But if it if it doesn't, that that um the um I guess the easy way to put it is the um the out of order like solution that it was trying to come up with 
that doesn't act that it doesn't actually execute that 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 instruction path it has access to all of the memory all of the cache on the cpu and like that's where the um the problem comes from and basically they were manipulate people can manipulate that or hackers can manipulate that part that solution that doesn't work or that that wouldn't even be executed even though like the CPU plays it out, you know, to see if it'll work, they can exploit that to get the CPU to reveal other parts of the memory. So um, if your Wi-Fi password, for example, or your credit card number is in that is in the memory cache and this part executes like you, it can trick the CPU into like actually inter- you, you can trick the CPU into interacting with that part of the solution that isn't executed. And like that's where all the problem comes from because that, like I said, that part is it isn't walled off. Um, it can see all of the memory, like anything that's in that memory cache. It can see anything there, and there's a way. There's ways to ma- manipulate it to get information out of it. So that's basically what you know. In shorthand, that's basically what both of them are. Um, it's just how they do it is where it kind of differs. Um, yeah. Does, does, yeah, no, no, no. That makes a lot of sense. And I've been, I've been hearing various podcasts talk about this. And I think it's something that they've known about for a long, long time, but I guess it was just not practical to, to do the, um, to uh, execute the vulnerability, I guess. Yeah. Because the speculative execution, which is what all this is, the reason it, it wasn't seen as a problem because like nobody, is supposed to have access to it. It's not visible. You don't know the CPU is doing CPU is doing it. So like nobody really cared. Um, but they found ways. Like hackers have found ways to manipulate it. Now with um, Spectre, um, it takes advantage of something called the branch history buffer. Um, because you know CPUs don't have infinite memory, and they store statistics for every like. So I guess I need to back up a little bit. Um. Speculative execution also has to do with like if statements. And um basically it like if you have a whole bunch of is if statements that are being executed, um instead of like because it can't infinitely store them all, it it saves some in this thing called a branch history buffer. And basically the way Spectre works is you can put you can pollute that branch history buffer um and you can fool the CPU into speculatively executing code. And if you do this on a VM host, it can see anything that that like if you do it on a VM, it can see anything on any of the VMs and the VM host that's that's in memory. It can see all the memory. Wow. Um, and like that's where this that one's like super super hard to pull off because the if statement has to be in the cache, but the end of the if statement can't be in the cache. It has to be outside of the cache. Like it's it's super super complicated the way it works, but um there's not really going to be a quick fix for it because it's just, I mean, it affects everything um, that uses speculative execution. I don't think I'm trying to think, I don't know if arm processors do speculative execution or not, but I don't know if it affects arm, but it does uh, affect it. I know it affects AMD and Intel processors. They said it affects everything, but I, I, I yeah, think well, there's a few CPUs that it doesn't affect. Well, I, I think it does affect all of them. What, I, what I'm hearing is like in some instances, like they don't take advantage of the speculative execution. Like for the Raspberry Pi, no, they don't take advantage of that. So it doesn't affect Raspberry Pis. 
So I, I think it just mm-hmm. depends on implementation. Um, and I don't know if that's, yeah, yeah. I think it just depends on the implementation of the, um, of, of the, the processor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right. I'm, I'm kind of looking at an article on right now and the, I'm talking, I'm thinking about meltdown. So basically the whole thing about meltdown is the speculative execution that when that has access on the Intel processor, it has access to all of that memory in the cache. Um, AMD CPUs, the reason they're not vulnerable to meltdown is because it's walled off, whether it's speculative or whether it's actually being executed. Like it's all walled off from memory, like forbidden memory or from the cache. Um, and ARM chips don't speculate. So yeah, that's oh, I, why yeah. I told that's why ARM instead of AMD. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got it. So confused. like, that's why they're not susceptible to meltdown, but the way Spectre works, they all, they all have this branch history buffer. So mm-hmm. like that's, that's why they can all be exploited basically. Uh, um, hmm. It's so confusing. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's probably super, super confusing, but I, I feel like that's a better explanation. Instead of just talking about memory, I wanted to kind of get into like how the CPU act interacted with it and why, why it's such a big deal. Um, I think the, the Intel things already been patched, but I don't know how they're going to patch Spectre. Like they're just going to have to redesign the CPUs or something. I just, I have no idea. Yeah. I still, and that's why. I'm sorry. There's one more thing. That's why they were saying that it was going to be such a big performance hit on Intel processors is because that speculative execution, um, it it accounts for a lot of the um the, the performance games. gains you yeah. see on Intel processors. But um, it looks like in real world performance, unless you're doing sequential writes, so like unless you're writing a disk, I think SSDs have seen a performance hit. And excuse me, there's one other um, workload that I can't think of right now that's seeing a big performance hit. With games, it doesn't matter so much because you're not really doing a whole lot of speculative execution in games, so it doesn't really affect them that much. But yeah, so I guess that's my explanation. <laughs> yeah, which kind of goes to my point last last week is that, you know, they probably were intentionally, they probably knew it would be some an issue somewhere down the road, but yeah. I, I think they may have intentionally looked over it just for the performance gains and I just mean, kick kick the can down the road. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's something I want to do some research. Maybe I can bring it back next week and talk about it. But there's something to do with processor IDs with the speculative ex- execution that prevents all this. That's something that Intel implemented that has been implementing for the last few years. I need to do. Oh, some, really? Yeah, I need to do some research. But there is some type of ID that they were putting on this that prevents it. But nobody's taking oh. advantage of it. Ah, okay, yeah. So, cool, I, cool, I, so cool. I'll, I'll do some research on that and bring it back next week to maybe talk about it a bit more because I don't know the ins and outs to <laughs> explain it right now. But cool. Yeah, and one thing I want to maybe I'll link it on Facebook, but like Google on January third, they pretty much started the whole whole like hurrah over this with their Project Zero blog post. I want to actually post a blog post. I mean it 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 goes into the whole detail ad nauseum. And it'll tell you more than you would ever want to know about Spectre. And I mean, so if if you're just really wanting to get into the meat and potatoes of exactly how it works, that would be a good place to start. Cool, man. All right. On to lighter things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a game out in Japan right now called Detective Pikachu. Um, and basically, it's this human kid and uh, Detective Pikachu that speaks full English um, that um, basically... 
um, they go around solving like little mysteries and stuff. Um, and they're currently translating the game. And there was like a huge rumor that like um, Danny DeVito was going to voice the Pikachu in the game or possibly the movie. But we found out this week that it's not going to be Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh, boy. In the movie, at least, it looks like Ryan Reynolds is going to be both voicing Pikachu in Detective Pikachu. Is this going to be a live action movie or animated? Um, I think it might be a blend of both. Oh, I, I honestly have no idea. They haven't released any details. It's supposed to come out next uh, 2019, I think. So why? Why? I mean, to me, Ryan Reynolds <laughs> makes it seem like they're trying to do Ted or what's the other um uh, freaking uh, Rocket Raccoon and Guardians. Why? Why? <laughs> why Ryan Reynolds? I don't. It just. I hope like the whole thing CG though. I hope it or or better better yet. I hope it's like an anime. I hope they don't try to go live action with Pikachu in the real world because oh, it's boy. not going to work. So ho- hopefully it's animated. That's funny. The whole thing. Oh, the, <laughs> the main actor Justice Smith uh, is the guy from the Get Down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Yeah, I've never heard of this yeah. show though. Uh, Detective Pikachu. Yeah, it's an it's a new video game that's out. Like, it is out in Japan oh, right is now. Oh, it's just it's a video different. game. Okay. Got yeah, it. they're localizing it, but next year there's also going to be a movie. So yeah. that's where Ryan Reynolds comes in. He's going to be in the movie. I don't know if he's actually in the game or not, but no ash i just can't picture him vo- voicing pikachu but yeah i well i obviously or maybe not obviously pikachu will not just be saying pikachu he will be like <laughs> talking in this game which is weird enough yes ted um, exactly that's what we're getting. i just don't know i just don't know how people are going to react to this because the new pokemon movie that came out there's um there's a part in it where like ash is like really they're like really really having a rough time wait ash and, is um, in it no, 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 not this. And okay, like gotcha. they released they released like an anniversary Pokemon like remake reimagining of like the original story. And like there's this part with Ash and Pikachu and like Pikachu's just like him and Ash are going back and forth and they just kinda like verbalizing in a in a in a like human voice what Pikachu's thinking. And like a lot of people were like freaking out and pissed <laughs> off because Pikachu talked. He's like Pikachu doesn't talk. He just says Pikachu, you know. But yeah, so I just will be interested to see how the nerds react to this. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think they're just probably trying to cop off of these other shows where characters are talking, maybe. But but he does talk in a video game. You're saying he does right now. So yeah. They, Maybe they'll be talking a video game. So maybe they'll be accepting of it by the time it comes out in the movie if they're if the game game is doing okay right now, which sounds like it is if they're making a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. So man, let's talk a little bit about uh fingerprint readers slash scanners inside the screen. You know, when I first heard this brought up years ago, I guess a few years back, I thought it seemed almost impossible. And it still seems crazy to me that that would be possible. <laughs> But what do you what do you it think about the whole far fetched? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just got it working good with the button, <laughs> where it's fast and acceptable, and you know you're not waiting forever. But man, to be under the screen, it's just it just seems it seems like one of those things that you know, fifteen twenty years ago would have been a huge impossibility. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. But um, CES this past week they actually had a proof of concept working. And apparently, um, 
it has a detection rate that's really, really similar to like the actual scanners in our own phones now, which wow. I just I, I don't see how this could work, but I guess it works. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. Yeah, I it, yeah, I'm just speechless on this. Like, I never thought I would see something like this, but I guess if they can detect finger presses, they just need it to be more detailed or something. I'm, so, Carrie, what you're saying is. That uh, cube thing that in Star Trek Discovery that they place on the screen is not that much of an infeasibility. It just, oh. <laughs> it's something that, that could so happen. Dumb. That was so dumb. Hey, kind of make if you Star can <laughs> if you can have a fingerprint reader on the screen, I can see data transfer by placing something on the screen. That kind of makes sense, right? Instead well, of sticking it in a port. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with wireless charging and fingerprint screens i guess it's not that far-fetched but it was just it just like hit me out of left field i was expecting her to like stick it in the computer or something and she just put it on screen i was like what no i guess it worked and um i'll i'll be excited to see if um apple or samsung put this in their next phone Um, it's really really interested to see so that's what i was going to ask who do you who do you think will be the first big player to actually Go for the gusto here and put it in their device. Well, it definitely won't be Apple because Apple just got wireless charging last year. So I, <laughs> it, I don't think it'll be Apple. They're just so slow to adopt new tech, new phone technology that it definitely won't be them. I feel like it'll either be Samsung or maybe LG just because LG has been getting whooped by Samsung. Um, This is something that if they're not looking at this, this is something that can really set them apart in the next year or two. So it would behoove anybody that's not Samsung or even Samsung. But what I'm saying is if you're not Samsung and you're not leading the market, this is something that can really, really, really set you apart. So I would imagine they're all either talking to Synapse or um, trying to come up with their own technology. Yeah. Synaptics, excuse me. <laughs> Good point. So, man, but yeah, look, he says it took him 18 months, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that that is. Uh, I can't wait till that comes out. I think that might be the next big thing because I don't know about this whole face ID thing. Yeah, I don't like the face ID thing. <laughs> so, don't man, like it. Are, are you all about your ambiance in your video games? You know, cutting uh, the lights down just right, sitting in front of a computer with your um, your Mountain Dew and, and gaming. Are you that type of person? Oh uh, yeah, I, I like to have the lights <laughs> off. I like to have the lights low. You know, yeah, I guess so. So, uh, Philips Hue, which I think they did this before in some TVs where they had lights that you could put on the back of some TVs, um, that the TV would like, sh- the lights would actually change colors according to what's on the television. So, yeah. so I guess they've taken it a step further to allow your Philips Hue, um, uh, your Philips Hue lights that are placed in the room, I guess, to actually change colors with your video game, whatever is on screen. What do you think about this? Does this just sound weird and stupid? Or I, I think it's really awesome. Um, I have the hue, but it's the, just the, um, I don't know what you call it. It's not a color. It's just like a regular light, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it can dim. It doesn't have a chroma attached to it, but um, this is one of those smart home things where it's not like a game changer, but if you have the hue chroma lights already and you know, or if you're looking into buying a system, it's just one more reason to like, just think about when you're watching a movie, um, you don't normally have the lights on. Yeah. So that would be the one thing that I would have to like question about this, but if they could 
match the ambience of the movie. I guess it would make sense. Yeah, and I saw a few demos that were actually going on at CES. Um, seems like it's a thing that kind of they had a lot of booths. But yeah, it seems kind of cool because like whenever something was changed colors on screen, it kind of the lights kind of change as well. So I think it's kind of cool if they can, you know, it's it's a it's a also add, you know, it's a nice thing just to add to somebody who was already doing the IOT thing. And yeah, I think it's cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So shall we talk about S9? Yeah, let's do it. So apparently the specs for the Galaxy S9 leaked. Um, uh, most of this shouldn't come as a big surprise, I would imagine. Um, it's mostly, I don't really see anything new on here because it, it doesn't go into like any detail about the um, actual processor specs. Um, it just looks like there won't be a 4K screen, which... Makes sense to me because you don't need a 4K screen no. on a phone. No. You barely need one on a computer monitor. <laughs> like that, uh, I can't see people being upset about that. But um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, we have super slow mo, super speed, dual pixel, 12 megapixel camera, quad HD. Does this? This is like the same stuff as normal. Why did I even post this? Well, you know, I mean, I I, I think it's still a good point to bring it up because. I think as far as it goes now, there is nothing just (laughs) it's hard for me to think of what they can do next in phones. I think the finger, uh, the on-screen fingerprint reader was a good thing. But what else can they do besides making these devices lighter, smaller, bigger screens? They kind of done everything. Bezelless design. I mean, until it turns into like a sheet of glass, <laughs> I mean, I really don't know what they can do hugely that will improve the smartphone. And I don't know if people may have said the same thing like three or four years ago, but it's going to take something yeah. different, something new that we're not really thinking of. And I think it's just become so standard now that from year to year, you're probably not going to see a huge jump. But, you know, if you look five years out, you might, you know, you might see some huge improvements. But since year to year, it's, it's all incremental, you know. Yeah, which begs the question, why do they release these flagships every year? Yeah. It should be every two years. It should. Well, in my opinion, it should match the time it takes you to actually freaking pay one of these. You know, it normally takes two years or unless you're leasing like leases are real popular now. So. Yeah. I guess it's not that big of a deal, but like every year we don't need a new galaxy or a new iPhone <laughs> or a new, we don't need one every year. But I think normally the, the normal person is re-upping every two years. So, and everybody's not on the same cadence. So, I mean, well, yeah, to have something new every year might be okay, but by the same token, you have a lot of people who have to have the new hotness each and every year. So now that I don't understand, uh, unless <laughs> unless there's a huge jump in technology, I don't see why people, you know, have to go to from the iPhone six to the iPhone seven the next year. And there's no real discernible difference. I mean, unless Apple is slowing it down, I can see why they want to upgrade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't Apple know. Mm, OK. Um, well, let me I ask you this. Before, before no, go ahead. Before, like, what do you think the next great? I mean, we talked about the uh, fingerprint reader. What do you think the next great phone innovation will be? Any clue or? Um, um I can't really <laughs> think of anything that I just want on a phone. Um, 
I guess. Well, I don't know. You can do that with some phone. I was going to say HDMI to TV, but most yeah. phones can do that now. Um, yeah, I can't really. I got nothing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have no idea what else they can do, like hardware wise anyway. Like they've pretty much done everything you can do with a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. Even with my, you mentioned to TV with my new TV, I can cast easily without having a third party app. I can cast from my um, computer, my Surface Book to not, not my Surface Three to my TV, and I think I can do it with my phone. Even though I haven't tried, I think it has the the right uh, capabilities, antennas, and stuff to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a whole lot that you can do to improve a smartphone, unfortunately. But I'm sure they'll come up with something. <laughs> oh yeah. Apple always will. So, man, uh, there's always one more thing. Yeah. So, are you interested in jumping back into VR? I know you kind of had that uh, small foray into VR, and you kind of didn't really. uh, It didn't really stick with you. Do you think? Yeah, I wasn't really blown away. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, so what if I tell you you could do it untethered? wirelessly that would be awesome that that would help a lot because that cord in back of the vibe makes it like feel like it's pulling you down so wireless is definitely good so at ces this year um htc htc showed their wireless um adapter oh that nice was, and they also uh showed off the vibe pro which I, I think is just high resolution screen i'm not really sure what else they added i think they only added earphones to it as well i believe but they showed off the Vibe Pro and they showed this wireless adapter, which I think is pretty cool. I, before the adapter, I saw some people doing their own like homegrown solutions where like a, a backpack PC that you put on for. <laughs> I think this is the more yeah. practical solution. Uh, it's using Intel's YGIG uh, technology, which I'm not quite sure what that is and might need to do a bit of research, but fast wireless. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I think this is something that is needed definitely in VR going forward because cords are bad when you can't see what's going on really. Uh so yeah. that's just cool stuff. This cool stuff. Uh another thing on the Vive Pro, I think they added a another camera. So with the Vive, you can actually see out to the real world with the um with the headset on. So they added I guess you have two cameras now where you can have a camera for each eye, which I think may be a, a lot better. So um, HTC yeah. is is doing some cool things. Yeah. Um. And like I noticed, you said they're just adding resolution to the Vive Pro, but that to me that's huge because one of the problems I have with the original Vive is just the resolution is just too low. It, it, they definitely need to crank that up, but you know, with that comes the need for a better graphics card. So maybe oh. that's why they didn't shoot too high for resolution in the first go around, but. Yeah, you know, with the new Volta and Ampere Nvidia cards coming out this year, maybe we'll be able to push it. Yeah, it's jumping from uh twenty eight eighty sixteen slash sixteen hundred from ten eighty slash twelve hundred. So it's a pretty good jump there. Oh yeah, pack in those pixels. <laughs> cool beans. Okay. Um, <clears throat> staying on the technology vein here. Uh, so I know we talked a. Uh, couple podcasts back or sometime last year we talked about um intel and amd teaming up for integrated graphics and it looks like it has launched it launched it's called cabby lake g and um it's a pretty huge die i don't know if you click through to see that picture but it's a big honking die it looks almost yeah. like like the epic or the um 
Threadripper <laughs> CPU is just it's huge. Um, I think this is mostly for uh, notebooks, but um, it'll be interesting to see if they actually you know come out with a desktop part or an entry level desktop part. Or I know Intel has those nooks like the little small computers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this because um. Uh, they like in AMD has always cracked, like destroyed Intel with on their integrated graphics. So it's just really cool to see them working together. Yeah. And, um, that's take on NVIDIA, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, that would really shocks me. These are competitors in the landscape. Um, not as far as graphics, but as far as, uh, you know, just processors in general, uh, it would seem weird to me that they're partnering together, uh, I guess to take on, um, NVIDIA, but, but still, what do you think about this partnership? Well, um, it's just really interesting, especially with Roger Kadori moving to Intel from AMD. Um, it's just really, really interesting. I don't know the exact details of this, but from what I understand, it's less a collaboration and more Intel just purchasing oh. the parts from AMD and integrating them themselves. But, you know, it's just still a huge, huge, huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any anything that'll that'll uh, make the landscape a little more competitive, um, I think is good. And this is definitely you know a graphics play to try to um, you know give Nvidia a little more competition, I guess. Yeah, and it looks like um, it can be anywhere from one and a half to two times m- more powerful than a GTX 1050, which is really interesting. Oh, wow. what <laughs> is that yeah, true? This is up to one point four times higher performance than the GTX 1050. Interesting. Which. Interesting. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. You can, apparently you can do 1080p 60 frames a second. Wow. On certain games anyway. So. Nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Just something interesting to talk about. Um, what else do we have? Uh, fat boy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's just funny. Like this whole story just makes me laugh because I remember us playing Land Halo with uh sixteen of our friends back oh. in Hattiesburg. Oh we yeah, both live there, and it was around the time the Xbox first came out. But they had released the controller S, and like they had half controller S's and half Duke Fat Boys <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, controller F for fat. And it's like whenever I had to play with the fat controller, I just I hated it because it's just it it was so bad. Yeah, it really was. Like at the time, it probably wasn't as it probably didn't seem as bad as a design decision from Microsoft. And the reason I say that is even though the two examples I'm going to give are smaller <laughs> than the, than the yeah. dude, uh, but you have the, the Dreamcast controller, which was pretty big. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as big yeah. as a fat boy. And you had <laughs> the, uh, three, the, uh, N64 controller, which was also pretty big. So, at the time, was it horrible? Yes, but I could kind of see what they were going for. Uh, though they, um, it seems like they did no testing on this because nobody has hands to speak. Exactly. Like I have big hands and it was <laughs> hard for me to use it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah the, I think the killer here is that the price is going to be 70 bucks. Oh, hmm, that's interesting. You that think seems, it would be cheaper? That's like even, yeah, you would think that it would be cheaper, but. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in a sense, it kind of, in a way, it kind of makes sense though, because if you go to get a, if you go to Microsoft store and do a custom Xbox controller, it's seventy bucks too, I believe. So, oh, wow. so, um, 
because you can get your name engraved. You can get it any color you want to on the Xbox store. So in that sense, it kind of makes sense because it's a nostalgia play and it's not the norm controller. Uh, but yeah, you would hope that it would be cheaper since I don't know. I don't know why people would actually be buying this, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got to be small run because they're not selling a million of these. Yeah. So definitely the nostalgia play, I think. Yeah, I remember this was Vinny's. He actually preferred the the Duke controller to the S. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I don't know why. But, I know why yeah. it's seventy. It has an OLED screen where the Xbox symbol is in the middle. Oh, so, okay, okay, okay. That kind of makes more sense now. Yeah, so that's probably why it's a bit more expensive. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else? Oh, yeah. One thing I wanted to mention real quick was that um, uh, Square Enix announced that Final Fantasy 12, the Zodiac Age, the remaster is coming to PC. So be on the lookout for that. I can't remember when it launches. I think it's sometime next month. So, oh, yeah, that's you and um, Todd. Todd. Yeah, Todd Peak. Yeah, yeah. That's y'all game, dude. <laughs> I know yeah, y'all we excited gotta, about we that. We got to get tied back on the cast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can do a gaming-centric cast maybe once a month. So that might be something fun to do. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Oh, did you get to play the um, the Z Fighter, Dragon Ball Z Fighter uh, beta? Oh, I didn't I, I didn't even download it. I'm I'm slipping. I downloaded it. Is it just on the Xbox or is it PC too? I think it's just the Xbox. I haven't played it, but I, I did download it. So I may, I may jump on some of that a little bit later uh, and test it out. Yeah, I think I'm going to download it too. Yeah, it's just Xbox. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to download that right now. I cool. think it ends Tuesday, so it that looks phenomenal. Though. It's being made by Arc System Works, the people that make the Guild of Care games that are freaking beautiful. Yeah. And it looks, it's 3D, but it's cell shaded so well. It looks like a cartoon. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It is crazy how they could, they've managed to take it up a level because the, 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 the Dragon Ball Z games have been pretty popular for a while and, you know, they always sell well and they somehow managed to take it to another level. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they did there. Yeah. Um, it's cool because I remember the first time after uh, the resurgence of Dragon Ball in America, there were like no like recent Dragon Ball games. And then DBZ Bidoka came out. Oh, yeah. And like, I can't even remember what year it was, but it came out for the PS2. And that game was not good, but I loved every minute of it just because it was like a Dragon Ball Z 3D game, and then it was awesome yeah, just I mean, because of that. <laughs> it, it was decent. It wasn't great. But, I mean, you also had another game that probably wasn't great, but it did okay at the time because of the gimmick, and that was the uh, Wii game. I forgot what the name of it was. But uh, uh, Is that Badoka Tenkaichi? I think so. And, man, we had some fun playing that on the Wii, just mimicking the moves, <laughs> even though it's cheesy as it sounds. <laughs> But having it do a Kamehameha in real life, I think it was pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> we need that in VR, man. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody's come out with a VR, like Dragon Ball style something. Shout out to Beard for Power back in the day. Oh, man. I forgot about Beard for Power. The original Quake 3 mod. Yeah. That got cease and desist. That's, that's how we got our Dragon Ball Zs back in the day, folks. Look it up. Bid for Power. Piracy. <laughs> well, I guess it wasn't really piracy, but... 
Copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, definitely copyright <laughs> infringement. Yeah, I was sad the day they have they got the takedown notice and they put a bunch of generic fighter characters in there. I was like, no. Oh my god, the the site's still up. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Goldenhammersoftware.com slash bid for power. Holy crap, it's still there. Wow. Now that Download is crazy. It. Golden Hammer Software. Yeah, the generic characters. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think they still leaked out the DBZ models, so you could still use them, but they just weren't an official release. Yeah, dude, I was in all of this back in the day. Quake 3. Yeah, this game was so awesome. I'm kind of scared to re-download it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted how I remembered it in my head. Yeah, I think I played it maybe 10 years ago. It wasn't it. it it was okay, but, but nah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the greatest thing ever, but it was cool for the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, do we have anything else? I think that's it, man. I think that's it. Um, uh, shout out to my Whovians out there. If you're into Doctor Who, check out my other podcast called Discussing Who, where we talk about Doctor Who. And we are starting with the 2005 reboot or relaunch going forward and we just reviewed rose the first episode so if you're into that check it out and uh yeah we'd love to have you check us out over there but yeah and don't forget about the star trek discovery std podcast um we'll have an episode monday or tuesday ish and yeah check us out for that too yeah awesome awesome sauce we'll see you next week all right guys very very quick very very quick very very quick i can't i can't beat that <laughs> i just smells burnt and dusty hey guys don't miss an episode of the tech Tech-Pedition podcast for more information, go to techpedition.com slash subscribe. T-E-C-H-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N dot com.